Welcome to the A Plus EdTech Coaching Podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking about all things EdTech coaching. In this episode, we're going to talk to Nikita Porter. Nikita is a technology and learning coach in Columbia, South Carolina for Killian Elementary School. She's going to share her story on how she was able to start utilizing coaching cycles with her teachers. All right. Well, thank you, Nikita. I really appreciate you joining me tonight. Um, so I've brought you on uh, as we, as I was working through the process of the book, um, I had reached out and actually I met you on Twitter. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and I had just kind of reached out to ed tech coaches on Twitter and said, who does coaching cycles? Because I, I personally don't think we have a lot, but, and I may be wrong. I don't, I don't know every ed tech coach out there in the world, but um, I had reached out trying to find someone who had done coaching cycles before, and one of your friends recom- like recommended you. Yes, it was actually a technology integration specialist that um, would have been, I guess, in a, a supervisor type role for a coach at the school. Um, so she worked in the district office and um, knew that how I kind of did my coaching cycles and, and the training process that I went through. And so she tagged me <laughs> and um, and that's how we kind of connected there. Um, go ahead. And I called her after um, we spoke and said, you won't believe what happened. And she said, isn't Twitter amazing? It is. It is. It's, it's amazing who you meet. Um, and because, because I'm in North Carolina. So, and I mean, we're kind of, I don't know, would you call it sister states? I'm not sure how that, how that works. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, yeah, why is sure. one South, one North? Who knows? Um, <laughs> so I'll get a geography teacher on here one day and they can explain to me why, why mm-hmm. that is. Um, so I guess the first thing I'd like to know is how did you become an ed tech coach? Like what was your evolution? Were you a teacher first or, um, what, how did you get here? Absolutely. So, um, I was definitely a teacher first and, um, I taught grades four and five and, um, I had an opportunity, I transferred schools and I met an amazing principal who happened to have a love for project-based learning. And uh, she asked me about my interest level in it and if I would be willing to start it up. And I said, sure. And so I was a project-based learning teacher actually for only one year. And we designed the curriculum and our students were the first students to in elementary to be one-to-one um, and take their devices home with the take-home model. <laughs> and that was new for our students. And that was so that their learning and their research could be continuous. And as they uh, had conversations with their partners and their groups that if it went past school hours, they could do that. And with that, I gave them choice about products and those students just, I mean, they embraced technology in a, in a different way. And um wanted to use it for for many of their end products and in different ways so i had a lot of attention and visitors come through and and see that which um 
led to someone recommending me to become a technology and learning coach so that I could encourage others to tackle it the same way. <laughs> so can I ask you just because I'm, I'm a tech director and I'm, I'm asking this question from that perspective of now you say one-to-one -one take home in elementary. Now, uh, obviously everybody in the world is now more towards that take home in elementary you know we're sending devices home with grade levels we may not have normally done that but it sounds like you did it beforehand was it k through five that took these devices home or was it three five that took them home or what was what was the grade level that this took place in about 2016 2015 Actually, no, it was 2014, 2015. So this took place 2014, 2015. And at the time, we were one-to-one -one with grades six through 12. And so elementary, um, we were, well, we were one-to-one -one K through 12, actually. Um, but our elementary students did not, K-5 did not take their devices home. And so um, I, with the project-based learning, I knew that they needed access at home. And so I just asked the question, I said, can my students take their devices home if I'm piloting this? And um, we asked our technology integration specialist who asked the district and they sent home permission slips. And as long as the parents paid insurance and signed the forms, they were okay with it. And so these fourth graders were the only class in the entire school that took cases home with Chromebooks and they were the first ones to do it in our school district and they were responsible and they loved it and their work was authentic and it was an amazing experience I really enjoyed it I still talk to some of those students today and uh, they were ahead of uh, their peers because they they entered middle school and had already learned how to use many of the resources they used when they were in PBL so that was cool so yes I went into um, coaching and I had that took that recommendation and I applied and I um, started working at Killian Elementary School and when I walked in um, the coach at the time actually spoke to me for a little while and we actually met a couple of times and she said you know before you came in many years ago I was um, what they call IT and then we transitioned into coaches However, that transition was very difficult because the people who are who are here view you as IT. It's hard to make that. You have to rebrand yourself as a coach. Um, and so she gave me advice and she said, I want you to look at this as you're doing it for the first time and um, and not about what I used to do or what they're used to. I want you to look at this as a clean slate and they've never met a TLC before. <laughs> And I said, okay, and, I, and, and that's what happened. And so um, I went into the role and I started training with our TISs, our technology integration spe specialists. And um, we used this training model called peer coaching. And it was by, um, and I'm, I'm gonna mess the pronunciation up. It's Les Foltos, okay. I believe, Les um, but that's the book it's peer coaching and um, that whole year I was in that cohort and it talked um, 
well, we talked about um, these coaching conversations we would have with our teachers and how it's not about suggestion of tools. And um, you would ask questions and guiding questions that would allow them to discover um, how they would integrate technology on their own and be, to be successful. And then also how coaching is not a one-stop shop and you know we have one conversation you're done um, it would be something that's a cycle and it would be continuous conversations and you would grow upon um, each session with the coach and so through that training they challenged us they said you need to get three people <laughs> that you're going to complete coaching cycles with and uh, and they may flop and they may be successful but we're going to just kind of work with them and um, I was actually really successful with two of the three. Um, and it was just hard to balance in the beginning, um, more than one teacher and be, uh, and hold them accountable and um, continue to meet with them and not let it um, fall to the wayside when things get busy in, in our world. Can so, you, um, can not you on speak their- a little bit more about, because something you just said, like, I think is the epitome mm-hmm. of, what coaching cycles um, can be compared to what those coaching conversations mm-hmm. are. So you said not okay. a suggestion of tools. Because I think, and, and I don't know yeah. if you've seen this before with teachers who they might look at the at the ed tech coach, and I know you call it a TIS. I'm, I'm going to continue to say ed tech coach just for simplicity. Um, yes. But uh, the ed tech coach... Um, is often seen as the person I go to to figure out the tool that's going to solve my problem. Have you run into that? Mm. Yes. And or um, the question of what tool can I try next? <laughs> and it, and it's, it's not about that. We've got to remember that the learning takes place first. And that's the most important part of this. And if you lose that, it's not going to be as effective. And so um, what we would do is more so look at what the outcome was. What is the assessment? What type of assessment are you going to be using with your students? And um, what should the student be able to do? And then when you look at that, you could narrow down what different tools you might want to offer as choice and then allow the students to decide what they will use to convey that they've learned um, that or to use as they learn. Um, depending on what the topic is. And so I had to work my conversations to get to that point because the, they assume that it, I would come in and give them all these suggestions of what they should do. And I didn't do that. And I, I asked a lot of questions about what they were doing and what they wanted their students to learn and how they were going to do that. And, um, <laughs> and, and then they would give you a little bit And then you follow up with another question to make them dig deep into what they um, wanted the outcome to be. And that would lead us to different tools to use or how they were going to teach um, a specific standard. Because it could be that the students weren't going to use it, but the teacher would use it in order to teach. So it sounds to me like you... And correct me if I'm wrong, but what I just heard was that you're 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 using questions to push the teacher to reflect deeper and to really get to the root of what it is they're trying to accomplish in the class 
before you ever make a suggestion or even think about making a suggestion. Absolutely. I also learned through our coaching cohort that the minute you give a suggestion, that that automatically gives you ownership and not the teacher. And you, and you take away from that. And um, if something were to go wrong or fail, it is not their fault. <laughs> it will be your fault. You, the coach that suggested that I do this, <laughs> are now at fault that this didn't work out or technology, you know, with technology, things happen. And, you know, sometimes things work out smoothly and sometimes they don't. And you don't want to be the one at fault because not only that, you might not be there. You might not be in the room to throw the lifeline <laughs> out there. And so you want the teacher to feel confident you want them to feel as though we're doing this together, even if it's something, and if it's something new, you want them to be okay with trying it new. And, and you may or may not be there to help them or to coach them along in that moment, but you want them to be okay with making that decision. So now I have to ask, and you're welcome to say no, no comment on this. Um, but you said <laughs> of your first, your first um, group of three, that only two of them felt successful. Yes. What did you learn from mm -hmm. number three, the one that wasn't successful? Or what can you tell us about the one that wasn't successful? I think they were being compliant or felt like they were being compliant. Here I am, the new coach in the building. And I approached them about doing this coaching cycle. And um, I feel like it was more so, okay, you're asking me to do this. I'm going to say yes, but they weren't really so. ready. And so um, in our first session, it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And so then there's the scheduling. Oh, I can't make it, you know, <laughs> different. Yeah. and it just kind of fizzled. Um, but I just don't think they were ready. And I didn't pick up on the cues. Can you tell us some um, of the cues? And I also... <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, some of the cues were that um, they were really busy or they'll get back to me and then they didn't follow through or um, I'll email you tomorrow or can, I'll look at my calendar or let me finish teaching this and then we can look at it because I'm in the middle of teaching this. So as though you were going to stop teaching to to squeeze this technology in there somewhere um so i don't think they really understood what the purpose was and um and if they're rescheduling so many times to where you forget where you left off um then you probably don't want to push it because if you push too hard you push them away and, and they might not welcome you back and i actually that the third one later on became a teacher that I coach when they were more ready. Um, but it was new. It was new and it wasn't what they were used to. So, and I, I think also the time that I spent in the conversations that take place when you're starting something new and how strategic you have to be um, to have buy-in, I think I devoted more of that time to the first two. And, and that was probably all I could balance. You speak a lot about balance and I want to get back to that. I've got it circled in my notes over here for us to mm -hmm. come back to. Um, right. but since we're talking still about kind of the beginning and how you started, um, how did you get mm -hmm. teachers to initially buy into this idea of participating in coaching? Because 
they've never seen it before. They don't. And like you said, the one obviously didn't understand it and then was like, I'm not ready for this um, in their own subtle way. But how did you start getting teachers to start buying into this? Well, after that year, the following year, well, prior to the following year, I wrapped the year up. And um, when I did that, I met with the teachers as teams and I talked to them and I said, I want all of you to schedule a time with me one-on-one. And because I realized that the team thing was really hurting me <laughs> because we weren't all on the same page. And, and if you had one person who just did not want to work with you, it could kind of, it would spread. So I said, I'm going to meet with each of you guys individually before the year's over. It would be part of your checkout process. And you're going to meet with me and we're going to complete a survey together and just talk about how we'll work together in the future. And I just told them what it would look like. I said, okay, erase everything we've done. We are no longer going to meet as teams. We are now going to work based on when you and I schedule a one-on-one session. And they were like, what? (laughs) And I said, yeah, it's going to be differentiated coaching. Kind of like how you differentiate in the classroom. I'm going to do that with you. And that way you never have to sit through a meeting that doesn't pertain to you or is about something that you already know. And then you would get the head nods. (laughs) And they're like, oh, yeah, right. And so um, that also showed them that I respected their time. Um, and that I was looking for a more meaningful um, session with them, and I really wanted, cared about what they learned. And so we completed a survey that actually was done with me in my coaching cohort called a danger and risk assessment. <laughs> and it was about, um, you know, things that are scary for you, things that you would never try, um, things that you would try, what's risky, and, and things like that. And you would talk about Um, presenting in front of a faculty is that something that is dangerous risky or sure no problem Um, and then you throw in there um, surfing in the Atlantic (laughs) you know random questions to kind of lighten the mood and then you you know do a few from the classroom and in in there I could tell one who wouldn't mind sharing with others and teaching a friend on the team who could I use to showcase and not embarrass them to the point where they don't want to give me any time anymore because I might embarrass them. (laughs) And then, um, and who is more so on the quiet side where they feel like they have a lot of learning to do and they need everything to just be between me and them and in their classroom where they're safe. Um, And so I was able to divide my teachers up into groups, into three groups the really shy ones that I had to approach in a different manner with my big loud personality and, and be a little bit softer. (laughs) And then, you know, on the other extreme, the ones who are like, I want to try everything, give me what you got and please tell everybody about what I'm doing in my room, (laughs) you know? And so I would divide them up into three groups and then devise a plan of how I would tackle the next year. So can we clarify just for everybody who's listening, how many schools do you actually support? One. 
I couldn't imagine more than that. So now I'll also tell you that every single school has a technology and learning coach. So you have that one person so that because if you build these relationships and another person comes in after you, it's like you got to start all over again. Um, and I'll tell you with me just being the one person at that school all the time and being a part of a school that had an administration that truly supported me being the coach. Um, although there are other obligations that you have, but they, they truly understood that I, my goal was to meet with teachers and to support them and that once I built that trust with them, I had to set them as a priority. So anything else happening in the school, if a teacher took time to schedule a meeting with me, that had to go above everything because if I canceled on them, they might not schedule again. And that was really important. And so I would even, um, the beginning of that year, I met with my principal um, and I invited my uh, TIS <laughs> and we had a conversation together about what my role would be and what was important to me. And um, I stated to my principal at that time, so what this means is if I'm coaching a teacher and I say I'm working with a teacher right now, I may not be able to get pulled. And they were, they understood and it was never a surprise later on. And so you walk around the school with a walkie talkie and they call your name and you say, I'm working with the teacher right now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and turn my walkie down. And they said, okay, sure thing. And that's it. <laughs> And then the teacher looks at you and they're like, wow. I'm yeah. Special. I mean, I was an ed tech coach and I had to, I had that, that walkie on me at all times. And I remember being right. in classrooms trying to co-teach and then all of a sudden the walkie would start to, and I'm like, Oh, got to turn that off. Or I'd, you know, finally mm -hmm. realized I should probably just let my principal know that I'm unavailable <laughs> at that moment. It's okay to shut off the right. walkie. Um, because it is at the absolutely. end of the day it's the students and the teachers that were there to support so and then you also when the teachers get used to you being called away they would even say oh it's okay i know you're busy <laughs> and try to fill that in i'm like no 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 you got the wrong idea here i'm, yeah. I'm here do you for ever you. Get the, do you ever get the um i used to when i when i was an ed tech coach i used to get this comment all the time I know you're busy, but when you have time, can you help me with, and trying to change that mindset of, no, you are my priority, not the inventory Absolutely. I've got to do, not the cleaning of the Chromebooks or the uh, whatever else piece they've tried to, you know, I've been pulled into. You are my priority right. and I am here to support you. Um, do you find that it's, it's hard to change that mindset? Yes. And, and still today I've worked with these teachers for six years now and I still get it as many times that I've worked with them independently, just, you know, crossed out other things to work with them. They still, still say, I hate to bother you or when you have time and, and I tell them, no, when do you have time? <laughs> when are you available? And I'm there and I still get it. So I don't so, know where that comes from. So your schedule <laughs> is a hundred percent open. You're not teaching any like classes. You're not scheduled to be in anywhere unless a teacher has scheduled you to be with them. Am I hearing that correctly? 
Correct. So I have a morning duty before classes actually start, and then I have an afternoon duty that starts during dismissal. And in between that time, I have an open calendar, and I tied it with a booking um, website that would connect with my Google Calendar. And so the teachers could actually go to my signature line, click on that, and see my entire calendar and pick their time. And the only time I was booked, it would be when I'm scheduled to work with another teacher. Um, so you got through that first year and you've been doing this for, for a few mm -hmm. years with them. About how many teachers do you yeah. work through coaching cycles with at any given time? Or how many teachers throughout the year? Whichever way is easier for you to kind of think about that. I would say um, the the going number has been about 15. At one time or throughout the year? Yes, throughout the year, okay. throughout the year. But, um, and it would be fi about 15 teachers consistently once a month. Um, those solid 15, yes. And um, occasionally they would talk to each other and realize they were working on something similar and then come in together and meet um but it took a while to get there yeah. you know <laughs> it wasn't and even that first year when I canceled I canceled all of the team meetings and um and that freed up a lot of my schedule because we we prepare for those meetings you create things to give your teams and things like that so that freed up my schedule and that year Although I tried to schedule everyone, it didn't work out, and you have some that kind of fizzle, and um, I want to say that I ended up with a solid five that year that were consistent. We never missed a month, and then the next year, I gained more, um, and, I, and I can't tell you if it was more so the teacher or me that learned how to balance all of that and be consistent. Um, and hold the teacher accountable too and, and work out that before I leave, let's schedule the next time that we're going to meet to ensure that we have that in our calendar. And as long as that didn't um, get canceled by, I don't know, a weather day or something like that, it, you know, anytime I had it there and I showed up in the room that even if they forgot, it would be, come on in, come on in, let's, let's work. And, and, and I'd coach them. So um, that was key and scheduling that next meeting before you leave, um, was very important. And I got better at that as the year. So progressed. when you say coaching cycles, um, just do you do an observation and then you give feedback and then you participate in something or, or kind of what does that look like from your, your vantage point? How have you set that up? Well, the, it would look different and um, based on what the need was and the conversation. So some teachers, I couldn't quite, un if I, I, would I would observe if I didn't understand where they were coming from or if um, they were really uh, hesitant in working with me or resistant to, um, to trying new things, then I wouldn't have to go into the classroom a few times and I would schedule myself. I'm going to go in there casually and just see what's happening. And for some teachers, I would make the decision to help out in their classroom. You know, oh, I noticed that you were working on this. And I just decided, you know, it's my favorite subject. <laughs> I love teaching that unit. And I would end up in their rooms, learn some of their students' names. And that way, 
the next time that I would meet with them, I would have some information about what actually happened in their classroom to get the conversation going. Um, of course, I would have to do that with some teachers and not with others. Um, some of them it would invite me to observe. Some would invite me to even model teach. Um, maybe it was something that we were talking about in our in our session and they say, you know, I've never done that before, but the way you describe it, I'd like to see that. And if, and if it was something that I couldn't do, I would schedule that they observe a friend or a peer and I would help cover classes. <laughs> I, I did that so as a coach too. Say, there was, know? I had one teacher who was drowning. I think it was her first year teaching and she, and finally I mm -hmm. just went to her and I said, you need, you what what do you need right now to help you feel successful and she was like I need time and so we had planned a mm -hmm. lesson together and then I ended up taking it so she could have a little yes. bit of breathing time now I'm not saying that I didn't offer that to everybody and I never offered that again honestly right. but um but in that instance that's what that teacher needed and so um that's mm -hmm. one of those things that you know, anyway, to go off topic again. <laughs> I, I had one that would tell me that um, second graders can't do that. Y you mean to tell me that my second graders could do that? No. And then I, I would know another second grade teacher who was actually doing it and say, you know what? I want you to go and just watch them and see how it works. And then we'll come back and then we'll talk about it and see what you think, what you think. <laughs> and then um, they would see it in action and say, whoa, I didn't realize that my second graders could do this. And, and all that came from questions that I would ask. Have you ever thought about no? <laughs> and that would be their response. So, um, yeah, so it's covering a class so that they could see it happen in another room. Um, of course, as long as that wasn't something that was dangerous to them, you know, that was one of my questions in my uh, assessment or survey um, was, how do you feel about observing another teacher? You know, is that something that's, that's scary for you or is that a no problem for you? Um, because there are people who feel intimidated if you ask them to go and observe another teacher, like that may say that you know, you don't know how to do something or what, you know, whatever it may be, but there are some that can't wait to see other teachers teach. And I had teachers who had been teaching for 15 years and couldn't remember the last time they observed an, another teacher teach students. You know, they go to conferences and they see other teachers talk about it, but to actually leave their room and see another teacher that teaches on their team teach their kid teach kids and that's something that they didn't observe yeah, and often. I think it's great that you gave them the opportunity to do that um, because I mean if you look mm -hmm. at schedules PLCs or you know learning networks or whatever you call them in schools they're scheduled so that the teachers are off at the same time but the problem with that is then they right. can't go observe the other people who are doing the same grade level or who are doing the same subject matter if you're in secondary. Um, so to have the ed tech coach be able to recognize that, and it sounds like you're connecting mm -hmm. your teachers, like the ability to connect your teachers who are even just in the same building. I mean, they're probably teaching right next door to each other. And they have no clue or yes. they may have even heard the other person talk about it. And they're like, I just don't, I just, I have to be able to see it. Um, and mm -hmm. you being able to give them that opportunity. That's, I think that's phenomenal. Um, 
So, I think... I think you asked me about coaching cycles and somehow I got... It's all a part of it, right? (laughs) I mean, because I think um, I mention in in the book uh, that these pieces are all part of the coaching cycle. And the way that I have it set up, um, because I do suggest a coaching cycle format in the book, um, but in it, it's Mm -hmm. very specific about time is not whatever the teacher needs. It is the teacher's time. It's not, it's not, you know, one teacher, you might make it through an entire cycle real quick because they have a goal. You've worked with them. They hit those markers and you move on to the next thing and you start the cycle over. The other one, you might, you might be sitting there working on this goal for a while before you break it down. Like you said, keep asking them questions, keep doing things. This time you Mm -hmm. need somebody to help to model this for you. So let me, you know, while, let me let you see this other teacher. So, so that modeling is a part of it, but another teacher doesn't need that. So I think it all feeds right into that coaching cycle. It's all a part of it because all of those things that you're doing, whether it's co-teaching, co-planning, um, modeling, uh, providing research, whatever it is, it's all based on the need of that teacher Mm -hmm. and you figure it out as you're going through that cycle. So, I think you're right on the nose with right. going off on these small tangents okay. that aren't really tangents. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. One thing that will help though is setting a goal with the teacher. And so we would set goals for the year. Just, you know, tell me some things before we get started with this. What are some things that you definitely want to accomplish this year? And then kind of put setting that aside so that as you coach, you can kind of look at it. And I would ask when you have the moments where no one's saying anything or they feel like, oh, we're done. We don't really have any time. You would go back to that goal and say, well, have you accomplished any of these three goals that you stated in the beginning of the year? And what are you doing to work on that? And and that would continue the conversation. Oh, looks like we got to meet again next month. So you got to keep it that's, going. That's a, that's a good, that's a good idea is to really start with that year, that year mm-hmm. goal. I like that. Um, so I think the last thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, and you even mentioned it and I said, we'd come back to it, that hard to balance. And so how do you, uh, you know, I just did the math in my head real quick and tell me if I'm wrong with this because math is not my strong suit. You have 15 teachers you're working mm-hmm. with 10 months you're working with them. You said you meet with them at least once a month to work through these, to have these conversations as you're doing all of the other pieces, the modeling, the co-teaching, all of that. Just those once a month Mm -hmm. meetings that you're, um, and and I'm not, I don't want to use the word require, but that's your goal is to see them once a month um, in these Mm -hmm. coaching conversations. That's 150 meetings. And then Mm -hmm. you're doing the, I'm taking your class for this period for modeling, or I am in here co-teaching with you, or we're sitting down and co-planning. All of that is happening outside of those 150 meetings. So the question Mm -hmm. is, how do you keep yourself organized working through this with 15 (laughs) humans? That's, that's a lot. It is. It is. And some of those humans (laughs) require more than others and so um and the meetings are may be a little bit shorter than others but one way that i keep myself organized is 
one, the Google Calendar. So I schedule everything on calendar and I keep our notes. So I take all of the notes when I coach teachers so that they're not writing or feel like they have work to do when they're meeting with me. And so I have a Google Doc for every teacher. And I add on to that same doc and I attach it to the Google Calendar invite that they have access to. And they can go back and read those notes as well. Um, I link all of our promises or our to-dos before we meet again the next month in that document. And um, when you do that, you can also tie in their email address with those tasks. And so it will send them a reminder to their email. And so I would do that for myself and for them. So these are the things that I've committed to doing before we meet. And then prior to meeting with the teacher, I will pull up their doc and see what are the things that I need to make sure that I'm prepared for when I meet with that teacher. Also, scheduling time for the things that you have to do, <laughs> like the website. So I'm, I monitor my school's website. So I made sure that every Thursday at this certain time, I would, it's the times when you know that teachers aren't going to book you, you know, that, that 8.30 time, 8.15 to 8.45 time when they're, you know, kids are coming in and breakfast and all that stuff, um, I would make sure that that was my time to work on the website. And so I would do that weekly and the newsletter that they would send out to the staff, I would have to put a post in that and I'd schedule that at the end of the day when they're getting ready for dismissal and make sure that I do that every week for 15 minutes here. And so just strategically putting the things that you know you need time for on your calendar um, so and then repeating those events <laughs> um, are very helpful. Yeah. So note-taking saved, saved me and having a document for every teacher because you don't remember the conversations that you have with them. Um, so <laughs> especially when you're coaching multiple teachers at the same time. And so having that doc was very helpful. And they always would say, I'm so glad you kept notes. <laughs> And anything that they would need from our session would be there so they don't have to go looking for it and use up your time together. So if we're working on an activity, an interactive slideshow or something like that, um, it would be in our doc. We talk about it. When you're done with creating that, link that here and, um, and whatnot. Well, so. I, I want to thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm so thankful that I found you on Twitter. And hopefully we'll be able to stay connected oh, yeah. through all of this and um, all your all your other endeavors you may be maybe trekking towards. <laughs> um, so thank you so much. Is there any last minute things you want to share or anything? Um, any other words of wisdom for coaches out there? <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for inviting me and just talking about this out loud. I realize we have a mammoth task <laughs> and, um, but at the same time, what we do could be the difference, um, in a teacher having a successful year or having one that they don't want to remember, <laughs> you know, and, um, we're, we're there to coach them, but also to help them grow. And it's a special position and, and not every um, teacher has a coach um, that can help them. And this is an, it's growing, I'm sure, in different districts, but it's important that we, we protect our time and, and do our work with integrity and um, 
to just protect the role so that um, teachers can continue to grow and look at it in a positive light. I'd like to say thank you again to Nikita for taking time to talk to me about her experience with EdTech Coaching Cycles. For more information about EdTech Coaching in general or EdTech Coaching Cycles specifically, go check out edtechcoachingprimer.com. While you're there, if you want to be on the podcast, check out the blog podcast page and fill out our form. I will reach out to you and we'll schedule a time to chat about EdTech Coaching. Thank you so much for listening.